I am Sue Nye. I'm the Executive Director at Heartland Conference Retreat Center. How many of you have been to Heartland? Okay, almost the entire room. It's your camp right here, 30 minutes north, and it's always a pleasure to serve you. So today I am going to be talking about Kaizen for Churches. Kaizen is nothing more than the Japanese word for continual improvement. Anybody in here own a Toyota? All right, a couple of Toyota owners in the room. This is the foundational principle, continual improvement for Toyota. And think of the quality that you receive when you purchase a Toyota. So absolutely, this is good. We're going to approach it from a scriptural standpoint, all right, which is also good. But we're going to mix the two together. So while this is a manufacturing concept, it applies in the church. It absolutely applies because our God calls us to continual improvement, right? That continued tense that is used throughout the Bible related to holiness and perfection and all of that excellence is there. Okay, so Kaizen. We're going to start with a real fun exercise. So now we've got five, six, seven, we have 10, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So how are we going to do this? Let's see. Randy would make 19 and I would make 20. That is what we are going to do. We are going to get into four groups of five. So out of your comfort zone a little bit, it's okay. So how about if one group kind of hangs right here and a second group of five right here and a third group of five right here and a fourth group of five right there. All right, get into your groups and I will add or I will become one of you. So all right, so. Do not um, yet look at this, all right? Don't look, and I'll give you two of those. All right, there's five here. Do not look yet. All right, and a couple pieces of paper. All right, this is another group, and a couple pieces of paper. Do not look yet, all right? And another group, do not look. And a couple pieces of paper. So in this exercise, each of you will have a role to play. So the the small cut papers have a role to hand those out without looking yet. And just to take one, hand those out. Those are your roles. And I am in this group. All right. Good. Right here, we need two people. You okay? You didn't have to run. Okay, Randy. So you're still needed. Okay. So only share your role if your paper says to do it. So read your role, share it only if you're supposed to. So I'm going to let you take over from here. All right. Just follow the instructions for your assigned role. Okay. I'm supposed to be program and I'm not allowed to help. I can <laughs> so we are going to I just the instructions from years of experience of the library to finish the product. Okay. 
Lead. How's the team? How's the team going? It does not give us instructions. Hmm. I don't know. I just work here. So. What's wrong? I just work here. Does anybody else have any? Nobody. Okay. You're sure. How do, how are we going to get this error done? Where do I receive the proof? He's going to redo it all. So, what happened? Because I didn't see any planes flying. Uh, anyone even remotely assemble one? Well, Brian, would you like to fly yours? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't book a seat on that flight. <laughs> All right. Is it Tom? Yeah. Tom, how's yours? So far, so good. Okay, you want to fly it? If I must. <laughs> oh. 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 Hey, oh. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Is it Abe? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any others? <laughs> there was, was rough. What happened? A lot. Did it remind you of anything or any experience you've ever had in life? It probably did, right? And did it remind you of the last meeting when you were trying to accomplish something? So the whole idea here is we're going to try to talk about some principles that are going to take your ministry to the next level. Everybody wants to go to the next level, right? Yeah, we don't want to settle for, what did he say, good, better, best? I don't think I can say what he said. 
Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. Something like that. Yes. Yes. Best. Yes. All right. So Kaizen, I already mentioned, it's simply Japanese for improvement or change for the best. That's what we're looking for. It's applied a lot in manufacturing processes. But I am here to tell you today that there are principles that you can apply to your ministry that are going to make a big difference when you start looking at this being adopted by everyone in the church getting involved. Everyone. I think that Emil Hawkins actually talked about that this morning. Or no, Pastor John talked about it yesterday in the Area Leaders Conference. It's the deployment of everyone. It's the priesthood of the believers, right? Okay. So why change and is it biblical? I don't think I'm going to have to go through all of these with you because you all are Bible scholars, right? Everybody's a Bible scholar. All right. But some really, really cool examples of Kaizen in the Bible. God amazes me. So Exodus 25, he is saying, all right, have them make a sanctuary for me. But he doesn't stop there and just let them do a design build, right? He gives every, God gives every detail down to the thread to be used in the curtain. Every detail. Because, well, you tell me why. Why did he do that? He wanted it done a specific way. Because it needed to be excellent. Excellent. Right? Excellent. All right. A group or team operating according to their gifts. So here's the other thing. So he takes all of these craftsmen and he calls them and he says, so here, you guys are going to do one thing. You're going to have another team do something else and all of it working together. God says, I've given the skills to the craftsmen. Now put them to work. Doesn't that sound like the gifts of the spirit? I've given the skills. I've given the gifts to the church. Now go ahead and use them. Kaizen. We're all working together to attain that higher goal. Gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, of course. All right, and then the commitment to excellence. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, try to excel in gifts that build up the church, that build up the church. Try to excel in those. Excellence. That's what Kaizen is all about. Whatever you do in Colossians 3, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. That's one of my favorites when I'm trying to inspire someone to do their best, to give their best, because we're working for the Lord. And those of us who are either lay leaders or we're professionals in ministry, my goodness, that's what it's all about. We're working for the Lord, but even in the secular workplace, we're working for the Lord, right? It's the Lord Christ we're serving. Matthew 18, 3, unless you change and become like little children, unless you change. Everybody say change. Change. All right. How many of you abhor change? <coughs> okay. I see some nods. Oh. Yeah, it's painful, right? Change can be painful. It can be very, very painful. Even change that makes sense can be difficult for a lot of people. And then there are nutballs like me. I like change. I like change. I kind of thrive in that environment. Randy, you probably don't like change very much. Am I right? Unless really good change. All right. Sure. Sure. So there are some foundational principles, and I apologize for this particular style of handout, and if you are old like me, you need your reading glasses on to see those slides, but I wanted you to have opportunity to make notes on how this could apply to your ministry over there on that one side, okay? So people first. That's a foundational principle. People have to be first. I think that's a godly principle. All right. Constant process. Doesn't that sound biblical? We're in constant process. We're becoming. 
we're always becoming as people, as ministries, as the church, we're constantly becoming. And then there's something people don't like to talk a whole lot about today, and that's individual responsibility. So this is the idea of the priesthood of believers, everyone taking ownership in the church for the ministry of the church. Because the church isn't the building, right? What's the church? The people, the body, right? All right, so that individual responsibility, these are foundational principles that we're going to talk about today. All right, so when we talk about people first, we're getting people highly involved in the process. Highly involved in the process. That's staff, volunteers, and donors. Your, your people in the pews, it's everyone. All right? Their voice needs to be heard. Their voice needs to be heard. If you were in the millennial workshop, that was something that we talked about is their voice needs to be heard. But it applies to everyone. We need a voice. People are change agents. Change cannot take place without people. You can define processes all day long, but without the people, it's not going to happen. All right. So anybody remember the Mario from 1981? Anyone? Yeah, a few of you. Yes. Imagine if Super Mario came out today with that same 1981 figure from Mario. Mario has evolved. But look how many different times, and that's just through 2002. I just stole that one. Imagine, I bet he's even come further than this guy. I haven't played it for a long time. I'm horrible at it. But Mario's changed, right? All right, so over here, this is a result of revolution instead of evolution. All right, so I think, let's see, we've got three and three. I'm going to have you guys be evolution. Is that fair? And you guys are revolution. You guys are the bloody guys that are going to kill it. All right? All right, so when we look at this, evolution is? And revolution? Okay. And we're talking about change. All right? Evolution? And revolution? Mm-hmm. That's why people die and they're in these cemeteries. All right. Evolution and revolution at all. So somebody wants to create change. They don't care about process. They just, boom, this is what we're doing. We're going. How effective is that? Yeah, not so much. All right. Evolution involves who? Many. And how about over here? Yeah. Yeah. So now we've got lots of people talking about where we want to go and what we want to do. Instead of, you know what? I'm the pastor. I'm the youth leader. I'm, I'm whoever. I'm the director at Heartland, and I'm going to do what I want. And we're just going to go here, and I don't care how many lives are affected as a result. All right? Evolution has no end. Yeah, you're constantly evolving, becoming. That's the right kind of change that we're talking about in Kaizen. Sometimes you need some revolution. Sometimes you do need we revolution. Kaizen, but we would do it in a week, and it was a dramatic change. Okay. What would be a time that you might need a revolution instead of an evolution? We're losing money. Ah, ah. Okay. So what if you're losing money? What if there's an unsafe practice? Same thing. Very good. Very good. Great observation. So we need to be careful. But normally, unless it's an emergency, we're wanting that evolution because it's healthy and we can create processes that support it. And it, boy, it sounds so manufacturing-based, but think about it always in light of your ministry. 
in light of the way people have responded when you've tried to make changes in girls' ministry or Royal Rangers or whatever it is with your youth. So we've got this process-emphasis approach. So constant process is when you write down or document all of the processes. Who knows what SOPs are? Yes. Are standard operating procedures helpful in a church environment? Oh, yes. Yes. We had our guest services manager die in January of 2017, and her job was not documented. Her job was not documented. Do you know how difficult that was to have someone come in who'd never done that job before? It has taken a year. Yes. So you really need to have documented procedures and processes. Adopt process as a way of life, even at church, even in your ministries. I use the example at Heartland if you've eaten there, you know about the busing station. The busing station, you take your plate and your drink up at the end of your meal, and there's a process. So we were setting it up differently every meal depending on the staff. So the staff would come in, and one meal, it would be set in one particular fashion. The next meal was set up differently. What do you think that the guests did when they got up to the second meal? slows down all of the line, creates a terrible guest experience. What about when people come to your church to visit? And one day, they're coming in these doors. The next time they come, those doors are locked, and they have to go in a different way. All of it, it's process, because we are creatures of habit. Did you know that? All right. Constantly identify and eliminate waste. And believe that everything can be done better. Never rest on your laurels. Amen? Amen. All right. So, there are two different types of approach, the conventional approach and the process emphasis approach. Conventional says, who's the problem? People. People are the problem. And, of course, the process emphasis says that The process is the problem. That's not always true, but you've got to look at the process first. And if no process is established, if there's no training for your children's workers or your nursery workers and they fail, there's no process established, whose fault is it? What about the sound guy who comes in and has no idea what the setup is on the board? needs to be documented. All right. Conventional says, yep, I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing my job. Yeah. The process emphasis says, I'm going to help. I'm going to be part of getting it done. You see the difference? Yes. All right. Conventional says, understanding my job. Process says, knowing how my job fits in the entire process. So if, let's say the church's goal, somebody have a pretty lofty um, goal or mission for your ministry, who in here would share their mission for their ministry? I'm trying to become a chaplain at the sheriff's department in my area. Okay. All right, so if you're a chaplain at the sheriff's department, in order to make that happen, there are probably some things that need to take place and some players that are involved in that, correct? Yeah. Okay, and what what is your goal, your ultimate goal? Not to be the chaplain, I hope. Your ultimate goal is to spread the gospel. gospel. To whom? The people. Ah, and and who are the people? Um, Anyone who's there, the officers, the chief, the office workers. Okay, very good. Why are you doing that? Okay. 
And why do they need the gospel? <laughs> okay, this is Kaizen. This is the process that you go through in Kaizen. You're asking a lot of questions. Now none of you want to answer me, right? She's going to drill me. <laughs> All right. Conventional is measuring individuals, and process is measuring performance. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. I assume everyone wants to do well. Everyone wants to do well. I did say in the last workshop, I made the huge mistake of telling my kids, you can do everything that you set your mind to, anything. You just set your mind to it. You can do it. Guess what? You have members of your ministry teams who can't do everything on their job responsibilities list. They can't. No one can but you try to match their giftings and their passions with their responsibilities. That's what this is all about. All right. Conventional says change the person. So that's either fire them or fire them up, right? But process has changed the process. So maybe we need to look at a different way of doing it, especially if we have the right person in place. Now, do we ever need to excuse someone from a set of responsibilities? Yes, yes, and forever yes. All right, conventional says correct errors, and process says reduce variation. Reduce variation. And conventional is who made the error, and process is what allowed this to occur? Those are the kind of questions that we need to be asking. But boy, isn't it easy? When do we get fired up? We get into a board meeting or we get in a meeting where, who did this? How did this happen? You know, and we're pointing fingers, right? Pointing fingers. Yeah. We can avoid a lot of conflict by taking a different approach. Then there's individual responsibility that we're not talking a lot about today. And this is that team members at all levels are empowered. What's the word empower mean? Having authority. Having authority. Yeah. I'm reading a book that's almost echoing this. Is that right? It's a, you know, it's a secular management book, but it's saying taking from the leader, uh, leader follower principle to leader leader principle. Mm. Team. 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 Education. Yeah. Improving the process. Mm-hmm. This is all things that I'm actually reading in a book because I'm awesome. trying to improve the process of my secular job. That's great. Emil said it today. So I've got whatever I've got in me as a leader, I've got it. And it needs to get out of me to share it. So actually, I can be duplicated. I've said my goal when I retire in five to ten years. I want them to say Sue who. All right. Authority and responsibility, there you go, are given in equal parts. Because if you're responsible for something and you have absolutely no authority, what happens? You're happy? You can't get it done. You're frustrated. So frustrated. Yeah. Not a top-down approach. See that guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is not what we're looking for. And you can do more with fewer leaders. Now you've got the engagement of the body of Christ. All right. Quality begins when everyone in the organization takes ownership for that for which they are responsible. Really, really important. So thinking about your ministry for a moment, what kind of ownership do you have from your team members? Ownership. Something you need to ask yourself. If you're the only one that has ownership, who's going to do all the work? Leadership. Yeah. Is that the way God designed it? No. No. All right. So let's say, everybody say, I am a Kaizen leader. Thank you so much. So here's what you look like now. You're going to support the team, right? 
You're going to set objectives. You are going to provide training and information because if you don't train them, they will fail, correct? Mm -hmm. You're going to be seen. So a lot of times leaders um, will give out a job and then they're, they're not part of the process, nor are they even seen. Mm -hmm. So support means visual um, presence, visual presence. Create a learning organization all the time. You should be equipping your team, equipping, equipping, having them learn. You'll hear Pastor John talking about Tanzania and what they learned in Tanzania for a very, very long time. But Tanzania, they focus on education, on training, on equipping. They have 50-some Bible schools, I believe, and equipping schools. They have church planting schools in Tanzania. Very important. A learning organization. Seek improvement. This is what you're doing. Prepare and provide work standards. Notice abnormalities. And if you catch them quickly enough, you have averted disaster, right? All right, you're going to create culture. Huh. You're, you are going to create culture. <coughs> what are some ideas on how you might create culture in your ministry? How might you do that? I think your attitude is leader. Okay. On having consistent good attitudes. You come in on time when you're down, are you letting things your life affect you, then the people feed off that as the leader and they look to that. Okay. All right. Hannah? Um, yeah, like he was saying, but set an example of it, help them to experience it. So um, if you take, you know, say I had a culture, um, we've got a lot of Ukrainians in the church, and so their culture, they help you experience their culture through their food and so many things, but if we can help them experience the culture that we want to be represented, whether that's family atmosphere mm -hmm. or whatever. If we can help them experience that culture um, and represent it before them, then they'll Excellent. that culture. Good. So you're creating an environment where they can experience the culture that you are trying to create. Right. They also celebrate it when someone meets the standard of what you want to set for a culture. Mm -hmm. Recognize that, celebrate it. You know, this is what you want the culture of your ministry or church to be. And you see someone meeting that culture. Uh, highlight that, tell it in a testimony or a story. Great. And so it, it just gets contagious and people catch the vision of what the culture you're trying to set. Absolutely. You also, you also get what you measure. Ah, what you measure will beautiful. drive behavior, and that behavior drives the culture. Yes. So this is all part of Kaizen. And absolutely. Measurement, celebration, um, creating. Yes, this is all part of it. Very, very key to creating culture. And culture, if you've got the wrong culture and it doesn't match your mission, you're in trouble, right? Yeah. And you need to be very um, steadfast, I guess I would say, in how you live out your culture. You need to repeat things over and over and over again. We go to a mega church currently, and at this mega church, the same things are done week in and week out. And at first I say, Wow, but they need that. It's part of the culture. They're repeating it over and over and over again. All right, providing proper equipment. If they don't have the proper equipment and you ask them to do something, again, frustration ensues. Providing a safe environment and removing red tape. Oh, nothing will frustrate someone that is trying to help your team more than the approval process, right? Well, we'll have to get that in front of the board, and then the board is going to take three months. But I had this idea, and we could have done this. Yeah, removing red tape. All right, so we've got the three pillars, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but just wanted to get your eyes on it. We have the housekeeping, five S's of Kaizen, waste, and standardization. So some of this you might find a little boring, but just try to apply it to your ministry situation. Sort what is not needed. So I say sometimes you have to have a funeral for things that you're doing. 
Sometimes you just have to let it die. If it's not working, let it die. It's okay. Yeah. What about in your office atmosphere or um, whatever it is? Having stacks and stacks of, oh, I don't know, let's say tires for the youth department, (laughs) whatever it is, sort what's not needed. Get rid of it. Clear up the environment. Straighten what must be kept. All right? Scrub everything that remains. This sounds crazy, but in a manufacturing environment, this is critical. But it's also critical in your life, in your home, in your offices, wherever you are. This is critical to success. Spread. Give time to improve the work area. Okay? Standardization. Set up a procedure for all of it. Just document it. And then set an expectation. So if someone comes to the church and I'm trying to think, okay, let's say that the youth have pizza night. Picking on the youth at the moment. They have pizza night and they left all of the pizza boxes just stacked in a corner and the next day you come in and this is really awful, you have roaches. Okay, that could happen, especially in a city ministry. As simple as having it documented, the expectation that the pizza boxes have to be taken out to the dumpster behind the church. It's that simple. But you have to communicate it. All right. So here are the benefits. I'm just going to put those up there. But it is true that it will improve morale and motivation if things are neat and orderly. Do we have any OCDs in the room? Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. So you want it to be nice and neat, right? Makes the jobs easier. All right, reduces physical work and frees up space. Because how many of us, our churches, were running out of space for things? So look where you can clean things up. Closets, get in there, clean it out. Any kind of ministry area, look at your Sunday school rooms. Take a look around, clean it up, and make room for things. Fosters a desire to be in the environment. If you walk into a building that is not well kept, if you're a visitor and your first impression is there are stains all over the carpet, um, there's trash on the floor underneath the seats in the sanctuary, there are stains from spills from last week, what's your visitor, what's their impression? I see a, mm. what's their impression? Excellence, no heart put into that job. Yeah. So they're, they're not going to take care of them. Yes. Well, they probably won't take care of me. They're not even taking care of God's house. All right. Enough said about that. These little guys are, um, he's done a really good job, right, of eliminating waste. And this guy's working so hard, he's carrying it. And this guy's going, ha-ha. See the difference? Eliminating waste. Overproduction. This could be printing out too many flyers of something at your church. This could be um, cooking too much food, ordering too many pizzas. It could be having too many people on a team. Whatever it is, you get the idea. Overproduction. Waiting. Waiting. That could be waiting for approval, waiting for um, someone to show up. How many of you have a late person? Or how many of you are that late person? Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. Waiting. Very hard. Motion. This would be about the motion. Unnecessary motion. Taking steps out of your life so that you're more efficient. Transport. Time. Errors and defects and repair. All right, standardization. Here's a, This is important. So you plan. You identify the change that is needed. So I bet in order, if you just sat down and you said, all right, in my area of responsibility, in my ministry, here is something I want to change because this needs improved. This is an area. You're going to plan it. You're going to gather ideas 
That's part of Kaizen, and you're going to devise a plan. Sounds simple. How many of us don't take the time to do that? Just taking a look at what needs to happen. And then you implement the plan. Okay, you don't just plan it. Do you know how many times an organization takes the time to write a strategic plan, whether it's this thick, it's this thick, or it's one page, and then it just sits there? When I ask people to repeat the mission statement of their ministry, do you know how many people don't even know the mission statement? It's part of the plan. How can you implement the mission if you don't even know what it is? Right? All right. Then you evaluate how it's working. You check on it. So you're going to devise a plan, you're going to implement it, and then you're going to evaluate it. You're going to measure it. Is, is it Abe? Yep, you said measure. Measuring is important. And then you're going to act because you're going to establish or revise standards based on how it all went. Okay, so this is a little worksheet of typical problems that are uncovered once you implement standardization. So that's just things are documented. We know how we're going to do things. We're going to repeat them. We're going to change what needs to be changed. And we're going to evaluate it, and we're going to move on. So these are just some areas that are uncovered that you can do something about. And this is, for me, this is a biggie. This, I would say these two, and maybe this one, no specifications. No attention to, I want my ministry to be excellent. What are you thinking right now? You're very quiet. You're very quiet. Does this make any sense? Okay, it does make sense. Can you apply that kind of thinking to your ministry to create change? Okay. If you were going to apply some standardization, the planning, the implementation, the evaluating, and then the documentation and setting standards, do you see any places where your ministry might fall short that you could work on up there? You don't have to say it, but there's always room for improvement. Yeah. Sometimes we just get in a mode of, well, we've always done it that way. Words of death, right? Yeah. All right. So we look to find the best, easiest, and fastest, or safest way to do something. All right. We're always looking. We offer the best way to preserve know-how and expertise. Provide a way to measure performance. Provide a basis for training. Training, training, training. Time for training. What gets in the way of training in our churches? What gets in the way? Time. Time. People's schedules, right? Well, we're not going to train because no one can make it. What do you do about that? If, if Sue is standing here today saying, you have to train. You have to train in every area of ministry in your church. You need to train. What can you do about it? Abe says, online training. What do you think of that? So they can do it at their leisure, at their convenience. Right. That, that's a church, right? Because it's, everything's volunteer. It's not like you're at work where you basically have a captured audience. Okay. Yes, you can force people at work, right? I missed you. Try to get the guys together. We're on the security team, right? Okay. Something as simple as that. We're only a few guys, and it takes, no, I can't make it. I got it my wife, or I got this. Yeah. You know what my kids are living, so it takes forever to get them together. Yeah. So you're working with volunteers, and it's difficult. So how do you get them involved? How do you get them to be trained and want to be trained. Any thoughts? Rewards. What's that? Rewards. Rewards. Excellent. Rewards for their involvement. All right. What else? <laughs> Feed them. Yes. Feeding is a very good idea. Yeah. Pizza Fridays. Pizza Fridays. Yes. You get to share why you're doing it. If they understand 
Excellent. People, people like to feel valued. So yes. show them their value and what they're doing. Wonderful. People really need to be valued. They want to be valued. So sharing the why. Good. All right. Standardization provides objectives. Objectives, I think it's a word we don't use very much anymore, but there are constantly objectives before us. You know, we're, we're seeking to do something, to accomplish something. So providing objectives and provide a way to prevent repeat errors. We don't want to bomb at something in our churches, do we? I know we sure don't want to at Heartland. All right, so building Kaizen culture. It's all about teamwork, commitment of leadership, and celebrations and rewards. We just talked about, I think, all of that at one point or another. So we look at teamwork. The use of teams allows the organization to take advantage of the vast differences in people, right? They have different gifts. They have different interests. They have different passions. So this is all about taking advantage of that in a very godly way by allowing them to use their gifts. That's the way the body is designed to function. And think about what's going to happen when you do that. Sometimes we ask someone to do something that they just don't have a gift for. But do you have that volunteer? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And sometimes you have to say, you know what? I appreciate your willing heart. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. But if you do that, we're going to rob so-and-so of the blessing of doing it and utilizing her or his gift. Because there are people that will take it all on, and you're thankful for them, but what happens if you allow them to do that long-term? What happens to them? They burn out. And then they disappear from your church because they have been overworked. And then they start to think, I think I was taken advantage of. And they forget they were saying, me, pick me, I'll do it. Yeah. All right. Intact work groups and teams are part of teamwork. So you have different departments in your ministries. And you can either bring different people from different departments together or just your team. But you're having work groups, work teams, to accomplish the goals that you've set. Problem-solving teams. So somebody think of a problem that they've faced in their ministry. Um, Try to have it be relatively simple, not like... Um, devastating, but just a problem that you faced sometime in the last three months. Painting the fellowship hall. Painting the fellowship hall. Did something go wrong? We couldn't decide how to Ah, okay. Thank you. That's perfect. Okay. So, Kaizen would say, all right, we're working to improve the fellowship hall, right? All right. And We start out, we think it's going to be simple to pick a color, and suddenly we have a problem. We do not have agreement on what that color is going to be. So now, Kaizen says, you form a problem-solving team. And that problem-solving team is said, shut out all the voices. Forget about what we've already looked at. We need a color for the fellowship hall. And you, problem-solving team, are going to tell us what that color is going to be. There's empowerment. There's that hands-off, reduces stress. The problem-solving team comes back and says, we have selected olive. That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Olive drab. (laughs) Yellow, sunshine yellow, whatever it is. They've decided it. Now, it takes some courage to do that, right? There can be a final approval process. That problem-solving team could be told at the end of this, we would like one or two of you to come to the church board and present what you've come up with. Now, that could start all over again, the red tape. Well, I don't like that. I'm not going to let that happen. Okay, you get the idea. 
All right, cross-functional teams. So now, if Sally doesn't show up to greet, you have someone else from another team. Maybe they're from the nursery team, and maybe the census is low in the nursery today. Grab that person to cover for Sally. So you've got cross-functional. You don't just have people. Because what happens when people are only looking at, I'm a nursery worker, I'm a nursery worker, I'm a nursery worker. What happens? You become a robot? And what, Amy? (laughs) Yes, that can happen. You just become a bunch of babies. Yeah. You also become very focused on one aspect of your church's ministry. So you need to have some cross-functional teams in place so that they understand everything. I love it. Randy and I try at Heartland to do a little bit of everything. Now, is that because we're control freaks? I'll tell you now. You might have a team member that would think that at first. We want to understand all of it. We want to be a part of it. How could we ever support the team in an area if we don't understand it? So cross-functional creates a vast understanding, an expanded understanding of what's happening in each area. And then what happens? The finger pointing starts to diminish. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So proactive or implementation teams. So these are formed to implement, measure, and evaluate specific processes. And they can be inter-department or intra-department, depending on what your goals are and depending on what the process or project was about. Questions? It's a lot to cover. I'm giving you probably a four-hour workshop or training in an hour. And we we have eight minutes. Hey, we're doing well. All right. So this would be a sample... And it's going to be really hard to see on your handout. But here's the idea behind it. So in your church, you have all of these different responsibilities. So this is Heartland's responsibilities in the program department. This is just one department. All right, so let's say I have the um, children's ministries team that I'm responsible for. So I'm going to do a couple things here. I'm going to list out, I guess I could really take advantage of this fancy thing. All right, I'm going to list out all of the names of my team members. All right? And then I'm going to list out everything that needs to be done in children's ministries. Everything. Then I am going to say, okay, this person, we have Angel, Buford, Charlie, yes, Eunice, you know. But we're going to say, is teaching the class their primary responsibility, secondary, occasional, or don't ever let that person teach a class. And that's for your information as a leader. So you start developing an understanding of your team of volunteers or staff so that you can know who you can actually use as a resource. It's really helpful. And let's say that over here, Harold is a no on Nature Center Animal Care. Harold would have been a no because he would be afraid of snakes. Well, would I like Harold to become more well-rounded as a team member and be able to go into the Nature Center and care for the animals? What can I do? What can I do? I can train him, I can expose him to snakes, I can help him, I can walk beside him in that. You can do that with someone as long as they're capable. But again, it's not true that everyone is capable of everything. And it's okay to have no's in your areas of responsibility. This is a really, really great tool. A really great tool. Randy takes care of site and facilities at Heartland. He knows I can send so-and-so to paint. I cannot send this other team member to paint because they're not detailed. It's okay. That other team member is good at, let's say, changing the oil, oil filters in all of the vehicles. 
you have to know what people can do. This helps you identify that. Okay? All right. Commitment of leadership. Kaizen can thrive only under leadership that has a genuine concern for the long-term health of the organization. So you have to discard rigid thinking and give control away. We could spend another two hours talking about that right there. My way or the highway, right? No, but that's where we go. We have to give control away. All right, fostering creativity and inviting suggestions, have people share their ideas. People get scared about sharing their ideas. You talk about we wanted to develop ownership. All of a sudden, no one wants to take ownership or share because you have shot them down time and again. So we need to create an environment where they can share and be heard. All right, value the culture of learning and training. Teach people what they don't know. This is huge. Teach people what they don't know. Train people on what they know. And teach the how and the why. Teach the how and the why. Okay? Tell the why. We talked about that. The why is extremely important. So I want to spend just a minute. We've got four minutes left asking the five whys. All right, so um, somebody tell me something that they want to do in their ministry, something they want to do. Anybody? A day camp. You want to start a day camp. Why? Uh, To provide organized activities for the kids in the area. Why do you want to provide organized activities for the kids in the area? To provide more visibility to our church. Why do you want to provide more visibility to your church? Um, that's a great thing. You can do it. I'm saying the right question. <laughs> <laughs> Two more? Okay. Um, because we think we can offer a safe and rewarding opportunity for the kids in the area. Okay, and why would you want to provide a safe and rewarding opportunity for kids in your area? Because I believe as a Christian, um, God has called us to do those things. Okay, wonderful. Do you see? You've got to keep drilling down to get to why. Why? It, It will help you identify what you want to do. All right, celebration and rewards. Evaluate and give feedback. You reward improvement. We talked about all that. Celebrating progress. Encouraging positive peer pressure. That's okay, too. All right, so principles. Improvement never ends. Perfection is a myth. And no no excuses. Just take them away. Mistakes can happen once, then you... Fix them. Yeah. We is better than and teamwork works. Seek the wisdom of groups. Seek the wisdom of groups. Involve those you serve and adopt the mindset of how can we do it instead of this is why we can't. Isn't that important? All right. Now, what we would do, hey, we've got two minutes. We're not going to rebuild the airplane. That's what we would do if we had more time. All right. But what would you do differently if you were going to apply Kaizen to building a paper airplane? Anyone want to take a stab at it? I would have signed tests everyone. You would have what? Spread the activity to everyone. Okay. So everybody's participating, not just one. Okay, very good. Of course, you'd want everyone participating. So the guy that says, it's not my job, what do you do with that guy? (laughs) You will. (laughs) Okay, all right. Ask him what he would like to do. Okay, good. Ask him what he'd like to do. What part of this process would you like to be involved? That's good. All right. What else? What would you do differently this time? Have a written 
instructions on how to how to do it. Very good. Very good. You could even have each person on the team with the written instructions build one and then come up with their own ideas and evaluate them, right? What else? Anything else? Why they're building an airplane. Ah, okay. Why in the world are we building a paper airplane? Why? Yeah. Let them know the why. All right. It is 1230. You have been awesome. Thank you so much. I know that is a tough one, but those principles will make a huge difference if you could take just a couple of things and apply them. 